0: known fact about my guest today. He came up with this concept. What if you married the idea of the Hell's Angels and Hamlet and made a TV show? And what if that TV show was called Sons of Anarchy? And what if my guest today was writer, creator, actor, artist, Kurt Sutter? Welcome Mr. Sutter to the podcast. A-O-K. Hey, everyone. My guest today is the award-winning writer, producer, director, and actor, Kurt Sutter. Kurt began writing for television on FX's The Shield. Then in 2008, Kurt created the critically acclaimed drama series Sons of Anarchy. Its seven-year run is the most successful episodic series in the history of FX. Of FX. In 2014, he followed up SLA with The Bastard Executioner, then co-created the next chapter of The Sun Saga with the TV show Mayans MC. In 2015, Sutter made his feature writing debut with Southpaw, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and directed by Antoine Fouinthe. He writes comic books also. He has acted in many of the shows he's created and others. And he was also acting in the film Chaos Walk, if you want to see him most recently, be brilliant on screen. He is married to the extraordinary actress, Katie Segal. He happens to be uh, one of the first people I met when I came to New York and started my life as an actress. Um, And I'm just so unbelievably happy to welcome Kurt Sutter, my old friend, to the podcast today. Hey, Kurt. Hi. (laughs) Hi. So here's a little known fact, listeners. If you love Kurt's shows as much as I do, you will know that there's a a character named Chucky who uh, actually has been on both series crossover spectacular. Michael Ornstein is the actor who plays that part brilliantly. And Michael and I in, in another lifetime lived together in an apartment. And he and Kurt Sutter, as you know, if you read anything about either of them are old, old friends. And so when I say I'm happy to see you, I think of Kurt occasionally sleeping over um, in our Upper West Side apartment and waking up and being so happy you were there because this is going to shock people. What you don't know about Kurt Sutter, maybe from his writing, or maybe you do, He's the nicest person on the planet and the sweetest person. And I got to see him under a blanket, maybe made him some toast. And um, it's one of the happiest times of my life. And you were part of it. So that's That's it. That's our episode. (laughs)
1: It's so sweet. It's, uh, she told him that it's, I was sleeping over probably cause I passed out cause I was too drunk to walk home. <laughs>
0: that may be <laughs> very possible. You were, um, um, you know, you and Michael had, had met how in acting class.
1: In Catherine Gately's class. Yeah. And, uh, uh, both, uh, uh both Jersey boys, both, uh, former Rutgers students mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and Michael and I, uh, we, we just connected right away. Um, I was, uh, I mean, Michael's and in, in you and Michael are a few years younger than me. And, but Michael, you know, he has that infectious and to this day still has it, that infectious enthusiasm for art and passion. And, you know, I was a kid who loved what I was doing, but didn't come from, that so never felt compelled to or okay to have that kind of passion and enthusiasm and I was just drawn to Michael because he he lived that and there was something about that that was so uh, magical to me uh and he became you know the guy you know we, we were fairly inseparable for a few years there um and uh uh, uh, and did, you know, a lot of, a lot of drinking and, uh, uh, a lot yeah, of, you I think you know, that's why I moved
0: out yeah. <laughs> so you could, uh, so you could move in because uh, I was trying to go to college. I, I
1: am, by the way, I am, by the way, 28 years sober now, just, just for the record. Cool. Uh, I know, well, but that's uh, no
0: small thing, my friend. No, I know.
1: I know, but uh, but yeah, we had, I, you know, it was amazing, right? It was like, you know, we were young artists, and and I adored you. You were, uh, uh, you two, you know, were incredibly talented, and and uh, and you and Michael were like this magical, like you were this magical couple to me. And I re- I remember that apartment, and it it was, at the time I think I was I was living, um, with uh, I was living in a sharing a railroad apartment in hell's kitchen that I think had one fucking window uh that I had no access to so and I just remember that apartment had so much light and I I remember being in that apartment going wow there's actually fucking sun oh am I allowed to curse on this yes
0: Uh, I hope
1: so okay there was actually sun in in New York City I know Uh, and uh uh, I don't think I've ever
0: lived in as nice an apartment from the day I moved out (laughs) of that apartment let's be honest really very few people will ever live in an apartment that nice but but I do I think about that time and I'm gonna just like here's what comes to mind Clifford Odets Bob Dylan Modigliani right like the painting yeah uh wine Italy yeah like sort of like like passion, all things, passion, and to be, you know, sort of the three musketeers for a little while running around that city and just feeling like it was ours and you were so good for us. You know, sometimes it's really nice to have a Kurt in your life. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of people still feel that way. And since then, you know, it's funny, we, we went our separate ways for a while. Um, Michael and I reconnected when his mother died. You know, it's funny, these moments in your life where even though you move in different directions and and from that moment on, he sort of shared with me what you'd been doing because I wouldn't necessarily turn on SOA as a show for me. um,
1: Right, right.
0: Thinking it was about one thing. And then of course, being astonished at the kind of emotional familial aspects of that show, which were just as powerful or or the centerpiece of of tattoos and bikers and violence and all this other stuff that's very sexy and dramatic. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought, of course, like Kurt brings this um, incredible depth to something that could be superficial or an idea of something, right? Like an Mm -hmm. idea of, of bad guys, but like the complexity of all of the characters and the love that drove that show, um, it also made you incredibly successful in the world of, mm-hmm. of television. And so when I knew you, you were acting and, and teaching, you were teaching acting or, or moving into the space mm-hmm. of teaching acting. Um, you're also married to, I think, one of the most extraordinary actors of our generation. Um, and, I, and I guess, let me start with this. You were single when I met you. How did you meet the extraordinary Katie Seagal and end up together for a long time now?
1: A long time, yeah. I'm just thinking. I think the last time I saw you was when you were out here. You and Cynthia were out here doing Robert Altman's show.
0: Yeah, that's the last
1: time I saw you. Yep, ten or eighty-eight, and I. uh, And that, oh, that was before. And then I I was out here as an actor for a while, uh, couldn't really get any traction, went back to New York and started working with uh, Michael and I's mentor, um, Catherine Gately, and I was uh, to to teach um, uh, the Meisner technique and trained with her for two years. And then Catherine got offered a master teaching position at Northern Illinois University. And she basically did for me what Bill Esper did for her. And she took me with her and I got my, my MFA, but really focused more on teaching and directing uh, within the performance curriculum. Like my degree is in acting, but it's, uh, I was able to really uh, work on teaching and directing. And that was my plan, was to teach in academia Uh, and direct theater and it was in grad school that I really dove into well here's the truth as artsy as this sounds it was the first time I like when I was an actor I and I think it was one of the things that attracted Michael to me was that I was very blue collar I was very working class I You know, I always had two jobs. I, you know, uh, as well as taking acting classes and trying to, you know, audition. So I never really had the time to uh, immerse myself in the dramatic literature I believe is required to be a well-trained actor. And. Uh, in grad school, I was able to do that, and I was exposed to the poetic realists for the first time, like Ibsen and, and Chekhov and, and Strindberg, and, and those guys sort of lit my fire, and, uh, and that's really when I began uh, leaning into the writing, and by the time I got my degree, um, you know, <laughs> academia is, is amazing, but it's also highly competitive, and, and a very small and tight community and I realized that I if I wanted to do that chances are I was going to have to either stay in DeKalb Illinois or go to some other very small removed town uh, or community college and I just wasn't ready to do that um, uh, and this is all getting to your question and then uh, uh, but in, in grad school, I had met um, Laurie, who was my first wife. And I met Laurie in grad school. She lived in L.A. I came back to L.A. Um, and uh, uh, I started um, leaning more into the writing. Um, that marriage didn't work out. Uh, we only were together for a year. But after that marriage, I really focused primarily on writing where for two years straight, all I did was, uh, between eight and, you know, not to sound, you know, uh, I mean, I would, I would write between eight and 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and half the stuff I generated was crap, but I, I kept writing and I kept writing and I had a couple of scripts that got optioned and, uh, but nothing got made and I had always loved TV. I'd always sort of uh uh you know, I grew up, as you said, on a couch <laughs> in front of a TV.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh and uh so I I I w- I started exploring TV rather than just features. And I don't know, I there was something about that hour-long format that intuitively my storytelling sense just knew how to do. And uh Back then, you would write spec scripts of, of existing shows to get work. Uh, and I wrote a very dark episode of, of uh, uh, West Wing that got me the job on The Shield, right? And I had met Katie prior to getting that job. Uh, and I had met her in, uh, uh, in a 12-step room. And, uh, but I didn't have a job. And I just didn't have the balls to engage her, or, or you know, because I felt, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm living off of, you know, peanuts and 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 trying to figure out if I'm going to have enough money to pay the rent. And then after I got the job on the Shield, I felt that uh, at least I was employed, and 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 you'll you'll relate to this. It's that thing when somebody asks you what you. Do, and you can answer them in one sentence. Yeah, Yeah. it's a (laughs) good feeling. uh, It's a good feeling, and I was able to do that. And then I had, uh, um, and and that's once that had happened, uh, I uh, uh, we had chatted and we had gone out, and uh, uh, she we our first date we went out for coffee, uh, and she uh, (laughs) she took her sponsor along with her because uh, as she will admit that in the past, she, uh, she doesn't have the greatest picker as she Uh would say. So Uh she took us along to make sure that like, I wasn't like a complete train wreck. And at some point, I guess in the date, the, um, you know, Marjorie gave her the thumbs up and, um, and, and left. And then we, uh, um, so, uh, that's when, uh, you know, I met her prior to like getting a real job and, uh, Uh, and then, uh, we, uh, you know, we dated for a long time, uh, before I even met the kids because, you know, uh, she was very protective of her kids. So we were together, uh, uh, I don't know, it's more than at least six months before I even met them. And, um, and they had a sense of us dating and, uh, um, and then, uh, uh, after a year, I moved in with them to, as a sort of trial run because I had never obviously you know, had kids nor did I ever think I really wanted kids. And um, uh, so it was <laughs> sort of like in an experiment to make sure you know, there was no body count. Uh, and, uh, um, uh, and then once that went okay, we, uh, 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 we got married. Yeah. Which I think was in oh god, and so 2004, maybe.
0: Yeah, we'll take yeah. it, right we'll take it. I want to go back for a second. So, first of all, I'm really glad you guys met. Um, I think a lot about sort of what it is to be with someone who's already super established when you're starting out, mm-hmm. and it's challenging and actually really brave on your part, um, to to do that, because it can be, it's just complicated uh, to not look at your own self-worth or where you are when someone has already sort of, you know, when you met her, she'd already had married with children. Like she had been working and famous for a really long time. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that can be really complicated. And I find that men find that even harder sometimes than women do. Um, Was that challenging for you or was that not challenging for you?
1: Very, very challenging for me. In fact, uh, you know, I, I uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, even though I was, like, I knew, I felt pretty good about that I was doing the right thing. Like, I really know that I was meant to be a storyteller and, and I felt like I was on the right path creatively and career-wise. Um, you know, it's very, uh, and it'll still happen you know, like, obviously she's much more recognizable than I am. And, and, uh, and there's something that happens when people see someone um, that they, that's, you know, the, the fame aspect, but it's also a sense of like them thinking or feeling like they know you Right. that when you focus on it and I, and I will do the same too. If I see somebody whom I admire or am, uh a fan of like Mm -hmm. you focus on them and everyone else in the vicinity disappears right and that would happen right and and early on it was really hard because I felt fucking invisible Mm -hmm. and you know I have a very healthy ego and uh um and I it, it it I struggled with it um uh and, you know, it, it was awful, you know, it, it was difficult for Kate because she was trying to be inclusive and, and but she is who she is. And uh, so early on, it was a, a little bit uh, difficult. By the time Sons came along and I brought her into that show and, you know, the balance in terms of our financial contributions had balanced out, you know, things had gotten a little bit more equal in terms of uh, um, uh, finances and, and, and career that, you know, it was much easier for me to to take that hit the same way it is now when it happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I will I understand it and I can, you know, uh, uh, and I can step back and let it happen without it impacting me. Um, and, uh, but you're right early on, it was very, uh, it was, it was very difficult because I felt, you know, I'm sure it's, uh, uh, and I understand that I, be- I believe you're right. It's much more difficult probably for men, uh, to feel, uh, that sense of, of inferiority, you know, um, uh, to that degree and that level. So yeah, it was, it was, it was challenging at first.
0: Was it a big discussion between the two of you about whether you should do a show together?
1: Um, no, you know the truth is we, um, you know, the great thing is for Kate and I. You know, we're we're uh, you know we're best friends and and uh, and really uh, supportive and uh, of each other's career and admire each other's body of work. And we had, you know we wanted to work together. and um, I actually uh, she did a she had a small role on, uh, 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 on the shield and which I got to write uh, write for her on that, you know, a few scenes. And uh, And when I created Sons, I knew, the matriarch, uh, you know that was part of the deal. Uh, like when I came in, that uh, that I wanted Katie for that role, and uh, and FX was wholly supportive of that. Uh, uh, in fact, early on, my notion for that character was more that she was um, uh, that she was more like. Um, uh, the, uh, um, I forget the character's name, this, the soprano matriarch, Tony's mom, like where she was sort of more in the background, right. You know, emotionally pulling strings. And it was really Landgraf who said, you know, like, you know, because at that point, you know, I, I had pitched the whole, uh, uh, Hamlet, uh, uh, archetype. And he was the one that was like, no, it really needs to be about that trilogy. And, uh, and want and and really felt like she should be that sort of um, uh, secondary character. Like it should be her, Jackson, and and, and uh, I mean, Jackson, her, and Clay. And uh, uh, but uh, yeah, we wanted to work. We wanted to find something to to, to do together. And uh, you know, and it was exciting. And that too, you know, that too had its bumps early on. <laughs> one,
0: <laughs> you know. one or two, just one or two, one or two, yeah, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: million.
1: like you know, after dinner, her coming downstairs, like you know, wondering why she's not in the episode more, you know, and uh, and we realized we literally had to go to therapy for it because it's like she had to, uh, you know, she could come to me creatively. Uh, but any bitching and moaning about the show, she had to take somewhere else. Right, and uh, and uh, and the same thing with me. I could talk to her creatively, but any bitching and moaning I had about the actress, <laughs> I had to take to somebody nope. else.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, can we talk a little bit about the wrong? I mean, the, the the casting of that show. Obviously, you knew Kate Segal because she lived in your house. Um, Michael Ornstein, you were able to, Michael Marisi Ornstein, you were able to bring on, uh, which is such a great thing. And I just want to talk about loyalty. And it's such a beautiful thing when people don't just play lip service to something, but actually do it. Um, So kudos to you for not just getting Michael because he's amazing, but not everybody does that. So you did that.
1: No, I loved Michael, and we had we had lost touch for a long time as well. And when I came back to teach in um, New York after being out here, we had reconnected and and uh, and we hanging out a bit. And uh, um, and then uh, so we had. Um, I don't know if he had come out to L.A. before that. But we we had been in touch, and I knew he had uh, he was coming out for. I knew he would would come out for pilot season when that used to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, uh, and I, there was this character that came up, uh, uh, the character Chucky and, uh, um, and there was just something about the character and, and because he was introduced through my character, um, there was a, you know, and there was a loyalty between the two of them. Uh, I just, you know, I thought about Michael and, uh, uh, and uh, he got him when he was out here. And but the amazing thing about Michael was that he turned what could have been a silly character, you know, who was a chronic masturbator, you know, it could have been a really goofy uh, kind of a joke experience.
0: Yeah,
1: it could have been a joke. And yeah. Michael brought what Michael brings, which is. That extraordinary vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. That or that organic um, quality where he just kind of broke your heart. And and I and I love that. And ultimately the way I, I write and the process of that show is there are a few characters that became, even though they were not main characters, they became the um linchpins of the emotional mythology um Mm. like the character monster and chucky like they just became these emotional linchpins that when everything else unraveled they were still there and to give you a hug yeah
0: with their uh, trust and he's so trusted yeah
1: Um, michael was just that guy his scenes with 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 every character, especially with Kate, you know, with, uh, with Gemma, you know, there's that weird, like she loved him and she, she hated him. And, and, but like, they just had this, like they were, you know, um, and, and I didn't have to write a lot, you know, there wasn't a lot of screen time for Michael because it was like he would, it would, you know, he was part of the magic of that show. He was part of the, the absurdity that made it, uh, uh, you know, uh, that gave it some, some, some uh, weight that he could just sort of land and, you know, have two or three lines and, and, and a reaction and move on. And it just changed the whole tenor of the episode, you know? Um, uh,
0: Did you know yeah. any of the other actors who ended up starring on that show beforehand?
1: Uh I, let's see. Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, we got uh, fairly, um, you know, Charlie, uh, you know, that obviously that was the, the, the character that was going to be the most challenging to cast. And, and as I was writing, I don't know, it was right. I was writing one of the production drafts or, you know, we were getting close and we're, we started to begin the, uh, the casting process. Um, I had watched, uh, and I don't think it was, I didn't watch it for Charlie, but I watched uh, uh, Green Street Hooligans and I saw Charlie in that. And, uh, and there was just something about him that was so uh, charismatic and handsome, but like not fucking pretty, like not pretty boy actor Right. And 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 I knew that um, and he had, he you know, he had a rawness that was really unpredictable. And uh, uh, and I saw him and 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 I was like, this is the guy I want. And I know he's British, <laughs> didn't know where he was, yeah. didn't know if he could do an American dialect. And we we started poking around and turns out he was living in L.A., um he was a little bit burnt out uh pursuing acting and he was he was committed to writing because charlie's a writer as well and um and and then was really pissed off that his agent sent him a tv script because he didn't want to do tv and uh but he read the pilot he loved the character he loved the writing and he came in and uh we talked and uh uh had done an American dialect and could do an American dialect. And, uh, um,
0: did he do it for you when you met that day? Did he read for you or did you just hang out?
1: He did like, it was, he was cool. Charlie was really cool. He was like, he got it. And, uh, and it was just a meet, you know, uh, and we had a really good, uh, conversation. Um, and, uh, uh, and then I said, you know, look, I'm going to have to, I'm going to probably have to show the network something. What are you comfortable doing? And, and we did, and he did a, I think he did a scene and, um, and then nailed the dialect. And and that was, you know, I mean, we had a early on, we had a dialect coach on, on, on set because he was jumping back between doing several things. And,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and uh, and then he went in, I'll never forget this. The network liked him. He went in and uh, we, we were sitting around a table in uh, in the office, in a conference table. And, uh, um, oh, I know what it was. The network wanted to see him in person. That's what it was. So I said to him, you know, they're going to want you to, you're going to have to read for them. And so he read for us then. And then he went in and read for, you know, Landgraf and his 40 other executives and you know it was a packed room and and the casting agent blah 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 and uh uh and and as soon as he was done we're sitting around the table and 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 I forget what the 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 exactly the vernacular was but John said to him uh or referenced you know you this is great you're going to do a great job and Charlie hadn't realized he got the job like like he's right. sitting, he's listening and, right. and we all knew he got it. And I was looking at him and I realized, Oh, he doesn't know he, he got it. And then at some point he realized like.
0: It was John his. was
1: already talking about yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And, and he knew, uh, and he knew he got the gig and, uh, 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 but that was, that was the process, uh, of, of that. And, uh, um, uh, and he, uh, yeah, he was, uh, you know, and that doesn't usually. That has not been my experience. Casting other major roles, that I, I see someone, and I feel like that's the, the person, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: uh, and then I'm able to actually uh, make that happen.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, it, it, it all
0: works. It's just
1: between schedule and and time you know and and, and deals and everything and, and a lot of times this uh uh just the practicals don't line up so uh um uh that was uh, and I, and i absolutely i don't think the show would have been uh what it was or as nearly as successful if it uh you know the weren't for charlie and, and clearly the career he's put together afterwards proves that so yeah i think uh we we're both you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, we were both very lucky.
0: You know, you talked earlier about, you know, obviously when we met, I mean, you had done the Mason Gross program at Rutgers. You were right. Is that what it's called? Is that the right? I didn't do, I didn't do, I
1: didn't, wasn't, I didn't go through Mason Gross, which was the art school. Okay. I you was, went uh, to Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. I was a, a film major. You know, okay. I was a film and. Uh, TV major yeah yeah
0: so when you Uh, were a kid like when did you because you've been able to continue acting actually which not everyone can do either in things that you wrote and writing yourself in or or then in you know movies that you didn't write yourself so like when did you you wanted to be an actor when you were a kid or was that something that came to you later and who were the heroes that sort of inspired you to pursue it because you describe your growing up is not maybe arts-based or culturally right. investigated the way you are
1: right no it it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh uh you know it was uh it just wasn't the experience of 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 my parents and and where they came from and uh uh you know i was i uh I started in high school uh doing play you know doing some plays and uh and you know and, and enjoyed the um enjoyed the process enjoyed the camaraderie and then uh but I never thought like oh this is going to be what I do for a living uh I my uh, ironically, my first, my plan was um, I wanted to be a, a, a copywriter. I wanted to write, you know, work for an ad agency and be a creative in an ad agency. And, uh, uh, and, and was sort of heading in that direction uh, in college. And then. Do you think towards that's because end, we
0: watch so much TV and you'd be like when EF Hutton speaks, like, you know, all those commercials oh, that are absolutely. in your head. Yep.
1: Okay. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I grew up and, uh, um, you know, uh, with so like, I watched way too much TV, you know, and I think we all did, you know, it was just, it was just, you know, we're latchkey was just the babysitter and, uh, um, but, uh, yeah. And, and and I, and I was, I was sort of heading in that direction. And, and again, that was not an easy career choice uh, either, you know, that almost, you know was as difficult as, as any of the other arts. And, um, and then decided that I really wanted to give acting a try, had, had, uh, uh, and auditioned for the graduate program at Rutgers. And um, we got put on a waiting list. And, and then I discovered that all the teachers that were teaching at Mason Gross taught privately in New York. So Mm -hmm. that's when I decided that I, I, uh, I moved to New York and I started training, uh, you know, with um, Lloyd Williamson and, uh, and for movement and Catherine for acting. I forget the, the voice teacher I had, you know, and, and basically uh, tapped into that conservatory program uh, uh, through uh, in New York through uh, through uh, their private studios. And,
0: uh, and did you have um, a million jobs to pay for stuff? How are you paying for all those classes? Or would you like clean the bathrooms and barter and?
1: Yeah, um, you know, like like most of us, I, uh, you know, I was working in restaurants. I worked at the seaport. I was managing a uh, like a uh, a gourmet coffee bean place, and then I, uh, then I was a waiter and a bartender. You know, all, all this the stuff we do. Um, uh, but you know, trying to uh, navigate, uh, an acting career around all that, you know, yeah. uh, I think, uh, I remember you were, you were working on the Upper West side. of I point, was, right? I,
0: I loved it. I was working as a waitress. I tell my kids all the time, like I was so happy. I was so happy bringing <laughs> things to people that made them happy. And then coming home with right. like all that cash, and there was all this camaraderie because everybody who worked at Rupert's, it's called something else now on oh, Columbus Avenue, yeah, yeah. um, everyone was yeah. an artist. You know, the bartender yeah. was starting a band and, and everyone else had some beautiful thing they were making. And then the break happened for me because like one of the waitresses ended up becoming an assistant casting director, maybe an assistant to the assistant casting director for a soap. And suddenly she could get all of us, these under fives on soap operas. And that was a huge thing, you know, to have five lines or less on all my children. I was like, if I do nothing else, (laughs) I am Erica's nurse when she has a memory problem on, you know, Susan Lucci, like, you know, sort of goddess of of soap opera stars. So anyway, yeah, it was, I loved it. and um, And I would do it again. I really, and I might yeah. have to, you never know. Um,
1: never. Know.
0: You never know. Sons of Anarchy, like, you know, I see you now and you are covered in ink. Um, I don't remember that uh, from years ago. Um, they're beautiful from what I can see, the sleeve that I can see on, on my computer screen. So, yes totally beautiful and we'll we'll send photographs out into the world to accompany this podcast <laughs> episode um you have a story if you have just sort of has described it as blue collar or working class but but where did and we'll move on because you've written a million things but it's hard to deny that soa was the the launching pad for what's mm-hmm. become a brilliant career um where did that idea even come
1: from? Um, it, uh, I was, uh, I had done a, uh, and I, I was sort of fascinated with with that the outlaw community, and, and I somebody had brought brought a uh, book to me at some point. Um, about, uh, somebody that had gone undercover in, uh, in the Hell's Angels. And so I, I had familiarized myself and done some research about the world and was sort of fascinated by it. Um, and then, uh, when the shield was finishing up, Art Lanson and his, um, his son, John, uh, came to Sean, Ryan, who was running the shield Mm -hmm. with an idea and, and Sean didn't think it was right for him. So he, he suggested me. And their idea was to do, um, John had friends that were in, um, uh, an MC and, and, uh, and they wanted to do, uh, I had a meeting with them and, and, and they they wanted to do a West coast version of the Sopranos was their idea. And, uh, uh, and, and in the, uh, uh in the world of outlaw motorcycles, uh, um, and the, you know, and that, and that was it, right. That was the, um, that was their, their, their pitch. And, um, uh, and the blessing and the curse of that was that there wasn't any, you know, it's not like there was uh, an IP or uh, anything specific, but it also allowed me to fully create uh, the, the, the mythology, the world. Like I had no boundaries Um uh, which is really the same way um, "bastard executioner" started. I, it was a conversation over lunch with Brian Grazer where we both loved the notion of the character of an executioner. So that happened in the same way, where I there was no IP or or, or pitch per se, as much as was a world. And uh,
0: can I ask? And you, I remember people thinking, who don't write television. What does IP mean? Intellectual it's, property. It's
1: de- Intellectual property. I see.
0: Okay. I just um, didn't know. So the idea isn't owned by anybody.
1: Correct. If somebody has, somebody owns an IP like The Walking Dead or, or something like that's, you know, so there was no, there was no book or, or, or any, any specific intellectual property that they they came to me with. Um, So I remember thinking about it and, uh, and then. Getting distracted with other things, I remember my agent called me and said, "Hey, there, um, Art, was wondering where you're at with it," and I knew, um, you know, Art was a pretty significant guy, and he's not a guy mm-hmm. I wanted to piss off, so I figured I have to give them an answer soon. And I remember spending a weekend just digging into that world, and in that weekend, um, pretty much saw. The greater underpinnings of the mythology, uh, and 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 the uh, uh, and the Hamlet uh, archetype of it all. Um, but I had no exposure to that world other than academically, you know. And uh, um, but came up with the broader concept and really plugged into it and and really saw something that I felt. Could be um, uh, could have some emotional legs in a world that uh, perhaps up till then people had a very narrow concept of what it was. You know, up till up till then bikers were either you know dirty scumbags selling meth or cute cuddly bearded dudes, you know, on a, you know, uh, on a multicam, right. Show. So to bring some reality to that, uh, was, was really, um, kind of a cool thing to do. And I got to, you know, whenever you, as a writer, whenever you get to bend genre or fuck with genre, uh, it's always exciting. And, um, uh, Uh, So within that weekend, really saw the underpinnings of the mythology, worked on it, you know, pitched the idea to uh, to Art and John. They loved it. And uh, and then we uh, we took it around to several places and uh, and ultimately took it to FX. And and John, you know, Landgraf, I think he also maybe even more than I did, uh, saw the potential of it and, and bought it in the room.
0: You know. you know what I wanted to ask you? Can you talk a little bit about your writing process?
1: The way I work is I do, like, I'm, like there's a lot of writers who will bang out a broad, you know, uh, a broad sketch of a script and then go back and rework it. And, and I can't work that way. A lot of my process for writing is very um, uh, organic or in the moment, meaning, as the characters are talking to each other, I see the scene, and often that informs the next scene and the next scene. So I I really have to. My writing process is very much I begin with rewriting, and uh, uh, and making sure that the scenes prior are not that they don't change later on, but at least that I know. Uh, where it's all going, and, and, and they will always inform the following scenes.
0: You know, I said this before we started recording, and just watching your arc personally and professionally is something that I feel um, like I've quietly been just cheering you on. Uh,
1: so sweet.
0: And just really seeing kind of um, what really hard work. And discipline, and a sense of humor, and great passion, um, and the idea that while doing all of this incredible work with such integrity, you've raised a family, right? At the same time, which yeah. is um, yeah. which is really hard and wonderful to balance yeah. uh, in all-consuming life, which is which is what writing is, and to make sure that the people you love in your life feel like they're getting some of you too. You know, I mean, I certainly find that for myself. Um, Yeah. Can you speak to that at all before, before I let you go back to,
1: you know, it's so funny. I, I would know how old Esme was by which season of sons we were on because she was born the year premiered in 2007. And, uh, you know, and I was obviously very, all consumed by that job. Uh, and um, I mean, and uh and obviously, you know, we had we had help and 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 I uh I was obviously away more than Kate was and but we were both very busy and um uh and and had three kids at home at the time. Uh so it was it was it was difficult um and it was hard for me to balance because I had never had success like that before, so I, you know, you get you get very as as much as you enjoy it and you're grateful for it, you get fearful of losing it, and uh, you tend it tends to take over your life, and uh, uh, and it and it would at times, but the great thing about having kids is is that ultimate, you know, it reaches a point where they, they won't let it completely consume you. You know, they will demand your attention and sort of bring you back. And, uh, and definitely that was the case with Esme. And plus I was, you know, uh, I, I loved Sarah and Jackson. It was, it was amazing watching them grow up, but to have, you know, to see someone born and to, uh, and to raise them, I, and still am to this day, you know, madly in love with my kid, and uh, so there was also a part of me that that didn't want to miss any of that as well. So it was a struggle. Uh, it's interesting because the project I'm on now, I'm directing, and we'll be shooting in London, and and uh, uh, and uh, I'm sure you know uh, parts of England, and uh, uh, and I, I'm already thinking about to be kind away. to navigate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she's a teenager now, so it's a different... You no, know, she won't. She'll be
0: really day. glad you're gone. Yeah. Actually. No, she's not there yet.
1: She's not there yet, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, as, Well, I shouldn't say that. Like, if I'm in the house, she's she'll be like, I'm doing my own thing, Dad.
0: I think it's just interesting finding balance if there is such a thing um, or, or including your children in the work. I mean, I, I hadn't realized that Kate's dad was a director and, and her mom had been a script supervisor and she grew up on sets. Oh, right. I mean, it's, it's sort of, but I was yeah. also going to yeah. say that this year, you know, we're speaking in April of 2021, this episode will live for a long time and, and we won't be in this Corona moment that we've all been living in. Um, but I think we all kind of, the, the kind of upside was we got a free year with our kids in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I will forever be grateful for that. And I know a lot of people feel that way although it was close quarters, it was also an extraordinary opportunity to be together again and an extraordinary opportunity for me to catch up on so much content that you created in that sweet little head of yours. And (laughs) um, uh, Blumhouse is calling me and saying that they need you to get back to work. So um, I'm going to let you go. But before we go, tell me a little known fact about you that you can share.
1: Oh, um, let's see. Um, another um, one fact is that my, if I could do uh, anything else, and I think about this all the time, like I love, uh, I love to write songs. I, I have a book full of lyrics, um, that I would, uh, uh like I would, I would. Just love to like let everything go and and uh, uh, and uh, just like write write songs.
0: Well, little known fact: your wife happens to be an extraordinary singer. You guys could do a little Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper thing without the sad ending <laughs> if you wanted. Um, <laughs> the sunnier, the the Disney version. Um, Kurt Sutter, thank you for the incredible, incredible storytelling that you have brought into all our lives. I love watching you become you, and uh, oh, it's you. really and, wild. And
1: it's so lovely to really is. I adore you. I love you, and and uh, 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 and thank you. You're, you've been this was very this is lovely and kind, and and uh, I love you and, too. And, and, fun really fun thank you yeah
0: i can't wait to see you in person again and um huge love and uh get back to work friend thank you darling One more thing. So many of you have asked, how do you donate to the podcast? Well, it could not be easier. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. Instructions are clearly laid out, and I'm so grateful to you in advance for any donation you choose to make. But regardless, I have loved, loved, loved making the previous 200 and something episodes for you. I can't wait to make 200 more. I wish you a beautiful day. Stay healthy. Be safe. Until next time. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So, there you go. These are Little Known Facts that you know. The episode was edited by Nicholas Klar. We recorded in New York City. And the Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded by Georgia Famusa with backups by Caleb Famusa.